to do was, was point out our festival and exhibitions director, Masashi Niwano, and our staff and the festival staff located over here, stage uh, against the wall, and please give them a round of Thank you guys. We party later on tonight. Um, yeah, before we jump into uh, talking, what we want to talk about was the power of personal storytelling. To make sure we've got a very good introduction for what you're going to be seeing. But in some of the time we have on stage, I also I need to take care of some acknowledgments and point out there are a number of very special people with us tonight. and. Uh, Satsuki and I, and then uh, two other guests up on stage, will be acknowledging a number of, of the folks uh, who make this story bring it to life. Because actually, a number of people who are in the film and performance you're going to see are with us tonight. Uh, but first, I want to mention top sponsors for the festival are Xfinity, AARP, and I am a member, <laughs> Asian Art Museum. Boba Guys, whom we, I enjoy, and Tiger Beer, which I've come to also enjoy. Um, another special sponsor of tonight's program is the San Francisco Symphony, and then our co-presenters for tonight, the Japanese Cultural and Community Center of Northern California, and the API Council. So let's please give them a hand for their support. Also a strong supporter of our festival is the, uh, uh, the Consulate of Japan and the Deputy General Counsel Soichi Nagayoshi is with us tonight, so thank you for being And there are a special group of young people from the Asian Pacific Fund, and we thank Audrey Yamamoto for bringing them to us. Are you guys in the house yet? Okay. So with, without further ado, let's talk about this. Uh, I think one of the places to start, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, Brenda Wagayoki has the most amazing personal story because she's connected um, with deep roots in San Francisco to the founding of uh, Japantown in San Francisco. And very much that community, and you'll see it in the story, there's an enormous disruption in the community during the 20th century, of course, due to World War II and the incarceration of Japanese Americans. And uh, Satsuki, I have just been an enormous fan, if that's the right word, of yours when I saw Children of the Camps. Because up until that time, and that was released in about 1989, it was 2000. Oh, when it was like I'm not that old. <laughs> um, but it not only told the story, because a number of the documentary films we have supported over the years have told the story, but yours took a particular tact, and it had to do with the recovery of this story and the, and the, the meaning that, was, that it held and sometimes was held up within members of the Japanese American. So what, tell, tell us a little bit more about what's the importance of storytelling to be covered these kinds of events. So, um, a great deal of the story that you're going to see tonight has to do with multiple atrocities. 
And uh, one of the words that was never applied to the Japanese American experience was that it was uh, trauma. And um, when trauma occurs, um, there's a natural response to try and separate ourselves from an atrocious trauma. And uh, so the stories get buried by the individual who experienced it because it's too overwhelming to uh, let that experience stay present. And it's also uh, the community and the larger society and uh, you know the source that perpetrated the uh, atrocity. Everybody wants to forget. Uh, and when the forgetting starts to take place, it makes our story unspeakable. And we lose the words to describe it. So what happened to the Japanese Americans um, you know, is a classic example of that. Our parents never spoke about it. We knew not to ask about it. Um, and when those stories get buried and they lose the capacity to connect our history to our present, it has all kinds of ramifications for our general well-being and uh, how the community doesn't connect very well. So personal storytelling is a healing journey. It's a way in which uh, all the emotions uh, that were suppressed and frozen uh, can be released. Um, and you know, I think you'll see in the performance tonight, uh, and you'll experience because uh, part of Brenda and Mark's mission is to create an experience that will tap into your heart, uh, that will allow you to have empathy and identification with the traumatic emotions and experiences that the people had. So personal storytelling is really, um, it's, it's a way to heal, not just ourselves, uh, but a way to heal our connection to each other and particularly to heal our community. Uh, and I wanted to just mention um, the context. One of the things about tonight's performance uh, is that personal storytelling is a, is a strong part of the festival and the evolution of the festival that we presented over the years. Um, you know, for many, many years, we were purely a film festival. And it's no sort of surprise. It's by deep intention that we present on our closing night a performance work. You know, something that can only be experienced and appreciated in a live space between the performers on stage and those of us who will be in the audience, as, that, as Satsuki and I will be at that point. It's a unique moment of sharing that. And we've presented several examples of that throughout the festival. So those of you who've been with us for the last two weeks, I just want to make a connection to the Memories to Light Asian American Home Movies program we put on each festival. Um, and also to uh, a program we did at the Oakland Museum of California last weekend, uh, which was called Family Pictures USA, which connects our community stories through personal family photographs. And then one other work, we supported a work, a short half hour on Asian American arts in the Central Valley. And at the top of that show, one of the artists featured in the program, Nikiko Mazumoto, who is a well-known, uh, comes from the third generation of peach farmers in the Fresno area. She did a storytelling performance for that. So, um, I think it's important for people to know that you actually created the Memories to Light uh, project, and uh, that that home movies uh, concept 
got woven into Brenda and Mark's performance tonight. Can you talk about how that happened? Yeah, this, this is, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for, uh, for allowing me to elaborate on, on how, what a joy it is to find artists like Brenda and Mark who are so supple and open to the deepest kind of uh, artistic expression. So, the, so for about six years now, we have been collecting um, Asian American home movies, and if any of you have home movies, please get in touch with me and Cam. We would love to add them to our collections, and we'll digitize them for free. So what we've been doing is, is, is gathering home movies, digitizing them, and finding creative ways to share them. So each year at festival, we, you know, we, we show different kind of editing compilation programs and ask musicians to provide live musical accompaniment. So last year we did a program on Asian American home movies from the Central Valley. And I had asked Mark, and, and Mark got Brenda and some other good friends together, and they were going to provide the music. And then about five or six months before uh, the festival started, Mark said, you know what, my, I, I think my cousins, who are from Reedley, which is near Fresno, have home movies. So he reached out, and indeed, uh, we were sent a box of home movies. And so we digitized them and wove them into that night's program. And lo and behold, along with those home movies was a diary, a family diary that Mark's Aunt Lily had written to her family, and no one outside of the family had ever heard it or read it. And Brenda was so moved that Following that performance, she wove that into this, and it's the culminating piece of tonight's whole performance. So truly, deep family story uh, comes out of, uh, out of the personal connections that Mark and Brenda have. And I, I think the, the opportunity to have a live performance as a closure for uh, the Cam Fest is uh, very exciting. Uh, so, weaving in these home movies <clears throat> with this live performance. And uh, Brenda reminds me that when you have a live performance, there are no retakes and uh, no edits. And um, she also says that every performance is a different uh, experience and she uh, might spontaneously add or change something because of the uh, synchronicity with the audience. So. Um, Blending that with the home movies is a very powerful way to present. Uh, there's several stories that get woven through this event tonight. That's right. And one of the things we wanted to make sure we talked about, and, and setting up and introducing this program for you, for those I know there are many, there are many family members here, but there are also uh, friends of Mark and Brenda's and people who followed their amazing careers, but. Uh, I'm sure you won't mind me uh, taking a moment to acknowledge, for those of you who don't know Mark and Brenda's work, much of it evolves directly from their experience and their commitment to connecting uh, community stories into their artistic work. Uh, both Mark and Brenda were there at the very beginnings of the Asian American arts movement, with, which kind of emerged out of the you know, post-civil rights era in the 70s. And they each strove to make sure that they were connected to the, this evolution of finding your voice and of, uh, 
of making sure there was a presence for Asian Americans in the cultural landscape. So Mark's done his work in music primarily. He was really one of the, he was the founder of the Asian American Jazz Festival and really helped create a recognized genre of Asian American jazz, incorporating traditional uh, instruments uh, very much the part of rotations. So he's a composer as And that is what is a particular mind for tonight's performance. Brenda, uh, Brenda has struck out into this unique that starts from when they started that journey that brings us right up to them. And then um, we know that um, Storytelling requires us to go in the, into the past and bring it into the present so we could understand uh, what might unfold in the future. But um, in the larger perspective, uh, with today's current political climate, uh, our storytelling becomes even more and more important. And its relevance for what's happening today uh, is so resonant that um, uh, it has brought people out uh, more than ever to begin to share their stories, to warn our country that um, what's happening now uh, could lead to exact same things that happened that were considered and deemed unconstitutional. Um, so, uh, you know, Mark and Brenda come from a social justice perspective and they've been activists uh, and using the arts as a medium for educating and inspiring people to take action. And um, so we just wanted to make sure that we brought it into the present moment, the whole idea of storytelling and the power that it brings. Yes, to emphasize that, we're not just here to sit back and enjoy artistry. I think the call for all of us is to stay engaged and take action you know, when and where it's necessary. And um, with a, couple, a few minutes remaining, I wanted to make sure, I, I want to hear from you a little bit more. I understand um, in recent years, in the last couple of years, that you have actually returned to Crystal City, Texas, which was a, frankly, a concentration camp and prisoner of war camp, both concentration for Japanese Americans, but there were also German and Italian prisoners of war in, that, in, the, in those camps nearby. But anyway, you've gone there recently because it's also now a family detention center for right for immigration. So please tell us more about that. So let me tell you a story. <laughs> um, so it started two years ago when a fourth generation Japanese American young attorney who works for the ACLU, his grandmother was held in the uh, prison camps during World War II. He was exposed to um, the, the story of the Central American women and children who were crossing the border through Texas seeking asylum, and um, was an attorney working to represent these uh, young women, mostly young women with babies, some pregnant women, some nursing mothers, uh, who um, the government had decided that the way to deter uh, people seeking asylum into the U.S was to use detention. So it was a policy of detention uh, as a deterrent. So these women now in the past who would be uh, seeking asylum, which is a legal uh, process, uh, were now being criminalized instead of being sent into community centers and churches until they could 
uh, go before an immigration judge uh, to determine whether they qualify for asylum. So um, he asked me if I would come to Texas and visit these um, uh, private prisons that your taxpayer was paying, your, your tax money was paying for, um, that held thousands of these uh, young women and their babies. And uh, so they're jail cells, prison cells, uh, with cribs inside of them and uh, stocks uh, in, the, in the room where they stock supplies, rows and rows of little shoes for children waiting for the next set of prisoners to come in. And um, so my job was to then uh, evaluate the trauma and then write, uh, write a story about what happened. And it was so disturbing. And um, so one of the times that I went back, uh, I participated in a demonstration in front of the prison camp. And uh, when I spoke about the Japanese American experience and why I was there because nobody stood up for us, how important it was uh, that we stand up for the women who are being held there, um, people were filled with gratitude to have some compassionate witness from the outside of their experience come and stand beside them. And, uh, when I said that, you know, I was held in a prison camp just 40 minutes from where this Dilly uh, South Texas prison was, um, people wanted to go visit. And so we took a film crew and went out there and uh, filmed uh, just 40 minutes from the same place that was being activated and filled with thousands of innocent uh, people. So it's happening. It's not a potential. It is occurring and really important that our story stands as support for the victims, but also in protest for the policies that are being uh, uh, pushed out on us today. Mm. Uh, thank you. You know, another piece of context in that same unfortunate story of how, how our histories have become uh, all too relevant today Closing night last year, as many of you may recall, was the premiere of a documentary film called The Chinese Exclusion Act, uh, made by Rick Burns and Li Xin Yu. And that film will be broadcast nationally on May 29th next week. So please uh, tell your friends that it's important to watch and it's important for us to remember these histories and to do our part to ensure that they are not repeated uh, in the future. So with that, uh, we can just about wrap it up. One of the things I want to mention, you will be treated to an amazing musician named Shoko Hikage, who is a Koto master, and she will be playing alongside Mark on here, as, as you'll see Brenda doing her storytelling performance. So uh, we're going to exit. There's going to be a brief interlude You'll have a, a very short break as they clear the stage, and then we'll have one last final introduction, and we'll jump right into the performance. So thank you very much for thank your you. attention.